the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. Joining me today, special guest, Val Vandervoort, real estate agent. Is that the right title for you? That works. Okay. I don't know if sometimes it's supposed to be real estate agent, real realtor, but real she's... Real estate consultant. No, I'm good with real estate agent. Good with Keller Williams. Um, good firm to work with in the Bay Area. Let's talk a little bit about the current state of home buying in the Bay Area. You specialize kind of on the peninsula, I'm assuming. Correct. But you have represented other areas, I'm also assuming. Uh, I connect agents uh, and buyers uh, for those different areas. So okay. I, I don't want to dabble in areas I can't represent a buyer well. Which makes a lot of sense because oh, knowing yeah. the streets and knowing the traffic patterns and knowing the businesses locally and the traffic pattern. Like I once got a rental home that I didn't realize was just it was going to be a nightmare commute. And I got it and then I regretted it. So knowing a real good real estate agent will you know, know the ins and outs of a certain market. For sure. So let's talk about your typical client. What is the typical client in the Bay Area at this point in time? Is there a typical client? Um, yeah, I think there really is around here just because the housing prices are so expensive. So, um, you know, kind of dual income professional people um, are who are out there that can afford home prices around here these days, especially along the peninsula is what we're seeing there. Mostly what you represent, are you saying, is dual income, husband works, wife works? For the most part. Okay. And uh, are they coming to the table with a good down payment? Are they struggling to find the down payment? Are they uh, moving up from the, the home on the east side to the west side and, and trading up, per se? Um, uh, pretty impressive down payments that we see. Um, I have seen about 20% of my sales this last year be all cash. And then there's some people who are doing 20% down. And then probably more people doing... Uh, 30% down, 35% down, somewhere in there. Yeah, I did 40% down, and I'm ashamed to say that because I keep talking about how putting money in your home doesn't get the, the market returns, the stock market returns. You just get the real estate returns. You lose appreciation due to the weakness of the dollar and tied towards inflation. But 
coming up with that down payment makes the uh, the payment a little bit more affordable. For sure. Yep, that's right. So dual income families, pretty common. Um, I've heard a lot and I've read a lot about the Asian investor. Mm-hmm. And I don't see it in my neighborhood, I don't think. Yeah. Um, are you seeing it as a realtor where people are coming from China with all cash? Or is this just something like the LA Times and the San Francisco Gate or pushing his stores. It's definitely for real. Um, I think there's probably agents who are more focused on that as part of their business. Uh, We're seeing, um, again, that kind of all cash investor tends to be a foreign investor um, a lot of the time. And that's accounting for about 20% of the market. How about affordability? It's, um, It's always a question and it's always expensive in the Bay Area, or at least it always feels expensive in the Bay Area. But now it seems to be more expensive than it was five years ago to get in. Like, I'm in. I'm, I'm happy I'm in. Um, I don't need to do anything else. I'm in. Yeah. But I feel bad for my friends and my you know family members who aren't in. So. Yeah. And I know it's a tough situation. So, uh, actually, California Association of Realtors had their annual uh, housing update yesterday and had a great graph on there that showed just the massive decline in affordability since Q1 of 2012. So it's for real out there that affordability is just becoming a really tough issue around the Bay Area. And in, that's that's actually at all of California stat, but it would it would translate into the specific Bay Area as well. Now let me ask you a leading question. Uh-oh. I tend not to like real estate agents who say California real estate always goes up. What's your opinion on California real estate? Um, you know, I have a hard time advising on a, like, say, statewide level. Right. Uh, when I look at the peninsula in particular, it's a place where there's not much, there's not land to develop. So, and you also are sandwiched between, you know, Silicon Valley and San Francisco, two really strong areas. And, you know, land, the, the great thing in that area is that, you know, your structure itself is not worth as much as the land you sit on. So, It is a great investment for the fact that it's just such a um, a limited commodity. It is a good investment over time. I agree with that. Um, and what you just mentioned, the structure, not as worth as much as the land. Um, a lot of people go out and get, they get homeowner's insurance on the purchase price of their home, and they should only get homeowner's insurance on the price of the building to rebuild. Yep. Um, just a small little bit of advice that yeah. the insurance agent's not going to tell you that. Well, yeah, that's interesting. So I have a really great insurance agent that I work with, and um, that's always very clear that, you know, you just need to, um, on the appraisal, it shows, you know, what the structure value is, and you just need to insure for, for that amount and your land. And potentially update it every five years. Yes. Oh, for sure. Because the cost of rebuilding it goes up. And the idea is that if an earthquake knocks down my house, I still have the land. So if a fire that's rages right. through the house, I still have the land. That's so right. We're on the same page there. Now, this show goes out to a lot of people, and I think the Generation Xers and baby boomers have their home. Mm-hmm. You know, we bit the bullet years ago and we did it. But the millennials, they've been living with mom and dad. They're going to be starting new households at a very quickening pace as they start, you know, the job market improves. Are you seeing millennial buyers? What do they look like? Um, not so much. Um, we're probably seeing, seeing the trailers of the Gen X generation okay. kind of getting into it. There is definitely chatter out there about how millennials are going to drive the market uh, talking about that in 2015, that we're going to see more more of them become players in the market. Will you have to change your sales tactics? Like this Keller Williams teaching you, like you're going to have to talk social media. You're going to have to go to Facebook. You're not going to be able to put your face on a shopping cart per se. Yeah. Um, 
there's definitely trainings on that out there. Um, I kind of believe in you just kind of be yourself and, um, you know, have a good reputation in the community and things tend to come your way. But I think, and the other thing I always hear is that fate, like those really young, young millennials, they're Facebook. They don't use Facebook in the same way us like 40, 50 year olds do (laughs) that. They think you guys are old people on there. So, um, there's, I think they're a little more Twitter crowd. I don't see you um, advertising on Snapchat, though, either. Okay. So just going out there. I met my real estate agent in a funny manner. Um, I was shopping for homes, and I was going to the weekend. What are they, openings called? Are they called openings? Open houses. Open houses. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, And I didn't really – she's not the type of person I would party with. Okay. But her knowledge of the city was so great, and her, you know, like, hey, I will show you, and you – 10 houses and you tell me the two that you like and then you're done. I'll find the house for you. And it took her six to nine months to to find the perfect house and she did. Um, Pretty good agent. And I met her at an open house and that's how I interviewed. Is that a good way to find a real estate agent? I believe so. I I have a philosophy for uh, investing in that. I really want to know, like I want to meet eyeball to eyeball with the person who is going to be representing me and no better way than an open house. You go in there and you'll find out if they're on top of it or if they're, you know, sleeping on the couch or you get a lot of information when you go to an open house and talk with an agent. Absolutely. Speaking with Val Vandervoort with Keller Williams, if you have a question for her, you can drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com or call 800-516-1220. It's Val Vandervoort with Keller Williams. When we come back, we'll get into some tips on buying a home what you should do mentally to prepare for it, because it's a pretty big financial decision. We'll talk about selling a home, and we'll talk about a little bit more about the whole agent process, um, because real estate in the Bay Area is pretty key and pretty important in a lot of people's minds for creating financial success. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and Your Money talking all things financial money, investing, today, real estate. Joining me today is Val Vandervoort with Keller Williams. She is a real estate agent. She works on the peninsula, heavily in San Carlos, Belmont area, I believe. Correct. You probably get another city up or another city down on occasion. For sure. We have a phone call. Let's bring in Ashok from Minlo Park. Ashok, how are you? Hello there. Go ahead. Hey, great show. Quick question. What's your theory on housing? Like, do you own your primary home, rental homes? Is it a good time to buy? What's your theory on real estate in general? 
My personal sure, thanks, Shook. Um, my personal opinion is, you know, real estate's a long-term investment. Don't do it if you're not going to be tied to the area for five years. Um, hopefully, sometimes that doesn't quite work out, but I think it works over time, especially the component of having a mortgage, which is low cost, and paying yourself to live in a place and not paying a landlord. I like the concept, but again, it's a pretty big financial commitment. Val, is now a good time, or should people wait for interest rates to rise, see if they go a little bit lower? Timing's not easy, is it? No, it is definitely not easy. Um, you know, I think for people, if the especially when it's a primary residence, I mean, if the circumstances are right for you at the time, it makes sense to buy. Uh, they're saying it looks like California-wide, expecting it to go up over probably 5% in 2015. So, you know, if it's if everything's kind of lining up and it makes sense for you to buy, it's probably the right time to buy. For investment property, uh, investors are tending to pull out of the market these days just because the prices have risen so quickly. So, you know, I think there's probably some wisdom in holding off on investment property and waiting and kind of watching and seeing what's going to happen. With that said, um, there's a lot of scenarios that could drive prices lower. Um, a ship could be in the market for a home and there could be a massive earthquake right before he gets ready to buy and, you know, he hits a home run. Yeah. Valuation is going to drop pretty, pretty aggressively. Mm-hmm. He could be in a bad situation where he gets a home and massive earthquake hits the day after he closes and his valuation go much lower. I've seen both sides of that. Um, trying to guess isn't the right way to play the game, though. No, it's just too too difficult. I mean, too many variables. Like I, you know, I'm in this on a daily basis, and to try and make a correct prediction for my clients is really tough. And it really is. It's time in the market. Right. So if you you can't time the market, but if you're going to spend some time in the market, it doesn't hurt to buy. We saw a cycle that lasted about seven years from you know hitting a low, going back up to and recovering and getting back and beyond that high. So, you know, if you're going to be in the market for that amount of time, it, you'll be okay. I will say this to Ashok, and I'll say this to you, and you can say I'm crazy. I think interest rates are so low right now that you'd be a fool not to get a piece of property somewhere on this planet um, and take advantage of that low rate um, because that's going to stay low for 30 years if you get a 30-year mortgage. That's right. Um, let's talk about investment properties, and this is slightly off topic, but I want to get your opinion because I think this is a great way of talking about the difference between the home you live in versus the home you invest in. I've been looking at a place in Tahoe, mm-hmm. and I want to give it to my friends and family and like say, hey, have a nice weekend, have a nice week on me, be kind of generous, have some downtime there. And the real estate agent said something fantastic to me. She goes, buying in Tahoe is like buying a Picasso. You're going to enjoy the hell out of it for 20 years, and you're going to sell it for a lot of money. But are you going to get any value today? No. It's all going to be overpriced. Um, but in 20 years, you're going to be happy that you did it. I kind of like that concept because she really kind of slapped me and said, you know, it's not going to cash flow the way you want it to. It's, you're not going to have renters in it every weekend yeah. because everyone in Tahoe has a vacation home that they're trying to get renters in every weekend. Um, she said the competition's too much. The property management charges way too high. But it's like a Picasso. Buy it. Enjoy it. Sell it in yep. 20 years. Yeah. And so. yeah, and you know, we saw the market downturn up there too. And you know, that there are great, there can be great buying opportunities up, you know, in place like Tahoe too. So let's talk about uh, buyers when they come to you. How often are they unrealistic where you have to say, like a shook, if he could afford the payment, consider real estate. That's what you and I both kind of came to an agreement there with. If you could afford the payment, consider it. Mm-hmm. You know, no more than 40% of your income. Hopefully it's 30% of your income, ideally. So it gives you a little bit more wiggle room. 
are people coming to you and like just not in touch or are they pretty realistic about the cost of uh, acquiring a home? I'm pretty fortunate that most of the clients who come in the door are realistic. They are educating themselves online before they get in touch. They're going to open houses. They're seeing things. Uh, there's so much information available to them these days that they can see what things that have what they've sold for that they have been out and looking at. So they get a real sense of it. And if they're not realistic, they get realistic pretty quickly. Like you write an offer or two, and you try and stack it full of contingencies uh, these days, and you find out that there were 10 offers, you were the lowest, and you had, you know, all the contingencies. If they want to ha- buy a house, they learn pretty quickly what it takes to get get it and then go through those hoops. Let's talk a little bit about that, the contingencies. It freaks people out. Uh, yeah, it's painful. Um, what is a contingency? What are some of the ones you've seen recently? So the main contingencies that you would have would be for property condition, appraisal, and financing. And what we see in multiple offer situations that are really common in the Bay Area is that the winning party tends to waive all their contingencies. Thankfully, we get pest inspection, property inspection reports up front, so we can go through and read those and be okay with it and, um, you know, make a decision as to whether you're okay with the property condition and waive that contingency appraisal. A lot of people who are putting 20%, you know, they want to put 20% down, but if they have more cash in their bank, they can waive their appraisal contingency because they could put more down if there was a shortfall in the appraisal. And then the other part is the loan contingency. And we have really savvy lenders in the area who get their clients to go through underwriting and are really confident in them getting the loan and therefore... um, get themselves comfortable with waiving the loan contingency. But it is, I mean, it's, there's some risk. We are trying to mitigate the risk as much as, as possible in setting up people to write, you know, offers that don't have contingencies. When the market balances out, we see them return. Okay. Do you ever tell a client like, no, I don't feel good about these contingencies. Something smells wonky because I don't trust contingencies. It's in my nature not to trust anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, when I go through and read the disclosures on a property, I will go back to my buyer and say, you know, these things make me uncomfortable. I don't think we can get an answer to this, you know, before you put an offer in. So you can just say, all right, I'm taking on maybe a twenty dollars or $40,000 risk, or you can have a contingency. Um, you may not get the property, but at least you won't make a foolish mistake that you'll regret later. I had a contingency once that if the loan didn't fund that they kept like ten thousand dollars. Okay. And that scared the bejesus out of me. Yeah. Like yeah. I was like, Tony, is this loan gonna close? Like you have to tell me what it is before I sign this piece of paper. Yeah. And it all closed. Yeah. But with that said, I'm speaking with Val Vandervoort, Keller Williams. You can find her at Val Vandervoort. That's V A N D E R V O R T dot com. Val dot com. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Take a break, come back, talk more buying and selling real estate with Val Vandervoort.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, invested, and more. I'm sitting next to real estate agent extraordinaire Val Vandervoort with Keller Williams. Just got a text message saying she's good. Ask her what got her into real estate and why is it her passion? I love questions like that. Um, so I was actually a, a high school biology teacher and I would uh, go you know, shopping at CVS or whatever and be like, I don't know if I can afford this $3 razor blade for, you know, my razor to shave my legs. So (laughs) I... um, A lot of information. Yeah, or like a stick of deodorant. And so I kind of thought about selling real estate at that time and um, didn't go for it at that time. I ended up leaving teaching and going into the biotech world. And I worked in biotech for a few years. And then our company closed down operations on the West Coast to move everything to the East Coast, and I got a severance package, and I said, okay, now's the time for me to start my real estate business. And um, I think it started out as one of those, you hear it a lot, like, I just love homes kind of a thing, and um, realized that there is way more to it than that, uh, to run a real estate business. And um, I just, I really enjoy helping people and um, being honest with them and doing the best thing for them. So it's worked out well. You've got a nice presentation to you, so that probably helps you enormously. Um, you and I talked before the show, and uh, I mentioned that I found my real estate agent, who I will use again and again and again, because she did a great transaction for me. She really hustled. But for her, it was a massive knowledge of the Bay Area, of particularly my city. Like she said, I used to live in that house, and I used to live in that house. And I was like, done. Uh, you sold me on that. What strengths do you have Um is it networking? Because that's probably got to be pretty important. Is it you know, Keller Williams, the name? Because it's a strong name. What, what do you bring to the table? Uh, I think what my clients value in me is that I'm very honest and my objective is to get the right house for them. Um, or when I'm representing the sellers, you know, making sure that they net every dollar that they can out of the house. So I really defend their money uh, like it's my own. Um, and making sure that they um, they do they that they're served well that their interests are definitely way ahead of mine um, and I think people see that can feel it and um, and that's what draws them to me working with me are you the type of agent that will pick a client up and drive them around to show them homes or are you more of a hands off uh, one of the first things I do with my buyer clients is drive them around the areas that they're interested in and get them focused on the areas that they like and eliminate the areas they don't like and give them the framework of the areas, the schools, right. past sales. And so I'm very hands-on. Then they sometimes it's more convenient for them to go to open houses on their own, but they have a great framework of what the area is like. Right. And also you start learning what they want and you're able to push ideas to them. Um, You mentioned buyer clients. Do most people start with you looking to buy a home and then they keep you forever and you sell their home and you buy their next home? Or do people randomly find you, not randomly, but marketing find you and say, I need you to sell my house? Um, A lot of different ways. And one of the big ways that business uh, comes to me is through Yelp is a big um, source of business. I have a lot, I get a lot of referrals from my past clients. Um, 
I've been in the business long enough that I have repeat business from people who I've uh, sold a home to, and then nice. it's time for them to get a bigger home or if they're moving out of the area and go through the process of selling through me. So a few different directions. My realtor does something that's pretty nice. She drops off gifts during the holidays, mm-hmm. and they're pretty expensive gifts. Okay. Um, and I adore that, but she doesn't have to do that. She's kind of part of the family. It's really strange the relationship that you make with a realtor. Um, Definitely. You know, her name's Julie Geyer. She's, you know, she got me my home. Like, is this place I'm going to live until I die? And, like, she's literally part of my family. And I, I will refer people. Like, you see what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Do you feel that connection like you're part of a family? Yeah, definitely. I love, And I love that part of it is that you have such an intense experience together over a two-month period, six-month period. You get to know these people really well. And they get to know you pretty well. And um, I, so many of my past clients are, are my friends. One of the tricks that, and again, you could, this is evil, but you could steal this idea if you want to. When you have a buyer who's interested in a home, have them write up a letter, have them show adorable kids, maybe in a wheelchair, saying we want to live in this house and we want to do exactly what you did and raise our kids here. Like you, sometimes you have to sell the, the seller, so to speak. For sure. Um, and those are tricks that you know that I don't know, and I don't recommend doing that, but it certainly has crossed my mind a couple times. Oh, I had one case where uh, it was um, a trust that was selling the property, right. and the agent said, you know, we don't want any of that fluffy stuff. Don't bring us a letter about your buyers, that kind of stuff. So I didn't, and then um, the um, it, we didn't get the property, and the feedback was, oh, the trustees fell in love with this other family. They wrote this gushy letter. And I said, that's the last time. I don't care who it is. It, the buyers need to write a letter to say who they are, have a picture. It makes a difference. It's a tiebreaker for sure. One of the things that this is hitting upon on theme, I say in San Carlos where I live, that every time an old lady dies, a family of four moves in. Mm-hmm. And it's typically a trust scenario where mm-hmm. she's had the fam- she's had the house for 40, 50 years. She had kids. And it's a, it's a kind of a fact at this point in time. Literally, the old women on our street, when they die, families of four move in. Yeah. Pe- people are lining up to move into my neighborhood. Yeah. Yep. Strong schools, they're dr- they are in so many of these communities. It's strong schools drive families coming into it. And there are so many young families in the Bay Area. Buyer's market or seller's market right now? From what you're seeing? Well, our inventory has gotten so, so low. I mean, it's been low for the past couple of years, but it's so low in the month of November, December that, um, and there's enough demand out there that it's definitely a seller's market. We just don't have enough inventory to keep it going. So the sellers have an advantage right now. Have we hit the peak of the buyer's market? No, no. Have we hit the peak of the seller's market? Are there fewer buyers? That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, There's a lot of things that indicate that the... As far as competition in the market was peaking in 2013. So although prices have still gone up, it's still competitive. It's slowing down a little bit from what it did in 2013, which is excellent because we need a little bit more balance in our market for it to be healthy. I used to think when I was younger that I wanted to be picked up and driven around by like a beautiful woman who sells houses. I got to be flirted with. I got to like, like I'm going to buy a house. I'm kind of a big deal. Um, and now I just want someone, I've changed a little bit. I was reading the Wall Street Journal. They were quoting someone from the Bay Area who's like the leading most volume sales in the Bay Area. And uh, I kind of like that idea of going to someone who does a lot of sales versus someone who's kind of like a, a niche or a boutique firm. 
in large part because they do know people. Like you know probably 80 to 100 other real estate agents. And if you've got a nice house coming up that you're trying to sell, you're, you're going to be like, hey, guys, gals, you're going to want to see this one. And they're going to bring 80 to 90 buyers into that home. So it, it's really important to find an agent who has a network uh, and who has been doing it a while. Yeah. We see that uh, again and again that, you know, buyers and sellers, they can get so much information off the Internet. But there's the agents still do drive the business in um, a really remarkable way. Um, I guess people who kind of try and go through the discount online brokerage, they are missing out on some opportunity as far as an agent who has really good connections and relationships in a community, what that can do for them as far as winning in a multiple offer situation um, or finding something before it goes on the market. It's huge. Someone came down my street yesterday on a Segway (laughs) saying, I've got a buyer. Are you interested in selling? And he went to every house. Yep. And I'm like, I'm not going to sell a house to a guy on a Segway. Okay. I think that's just bad marketing. Yeah. That that looks like a rookie. Oh, that's funny because I I know who you're talking about and that's their shtick. Okay. They they go around San Carlos on their Segway. That's, I I felt like I felt he's a little bit too young. Okay. Um, And again, I think I'm not age discriminating. I just think. I don't know. It's a, that's felt very odd. And another one that I get is people who come and they say, there's someone selling you know, a couple blocks away. You may want to tell your friends and family. I found that one kind of interesting okay. where a real estate agent came to us okay. and uh, said, you know, um, just in case. And I, I almost think that's not illegal, but it feels like they're trying to drive the price higher, maybe even artificially. I, I, again, yeah. I, yeah, I, they're going, I mean, it's, it's a function of you're in sales and you, that's, you know, part of, um, your job as far as prospecting. So that's, that's what they're doing. What's the time now if someone puts up a house or our houses going pretty quickly? Yeah, uh, it's crazy in our area. So you really hold off offers typically so that you're at about seven to 10 days on market. Um, you could probably accept an offer within the first day of it being on the market, but that's not necessarily the best thing for the sellers to do that. So we tend to hold off and look at offers seven to ten days after being on the market. Do you ever get afraid, though? Like if you don't take that first one, maybe the <laughs> second one will never come. Um, uh, you when you're can, when you're doing a you know a good level of business, you really have a good feeling for what the market can bear, and so you know if you get the sense that the market's cooling you can help advise your sellers like you might want to consider this because we don't it's not as robust as it had been when was the last time you saw a house go for under asking um it is happening these days um because here's what happens is that sellers get uh, overly confident they price off of last month's closes and the market change it can change on a dime and so they get overconfident, they price too high, and then the buyers, we saw buyer fatigue. The buyers just needed to, they were giving pushback because the prices went too high too quick, and then a property lingers, and then it goes for under asking. It's Val Vandervoort with Keller Williams. You can find her at valvandervoort.com. You can always email me, rob at robblack.com, and I can get you her contact information as well. It's vander, V-A-N-D-E-R-V-O-R-T. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. I am
listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. On the iHeartRadio app. I'm speaking with Val Vanderbort, Keller Williams, three Bs. There's a lot going on in that name. Yep. I've got a real simple name, Black. Yeah, no, I get to spell mine often. I, believe it or not, I get to spell mine often. <laughs> that shows you how either I speak too quickly or people don't understand the color black is so freaking common. Um, so you're a real estate agent. How long have you been doing it? Uh, for 10 years. 10 years. Okay. Um, do you feel good about going into 2015 or? I think it's going to be an active market. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to see good appreciation probably through the at least the first half of the year. And then we'll see how it goes for the second. I, I, my crystal ball is only so deep. So. Yeah, and I understand that. Yeah. Mine too. Yeah. You know, stock market can change on a dime based on, you know, Putin going crazy or something like that. Yeah. Um, with that being said, one of the things I tell people about real estate is you need a good economy. So it does help you to pay attention to what I do. And it helps me to pay attention to what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could see speculation. You could see froth. Any signs of froth out there? Um, you know, I was starting to get a little bit concerned about it. Uh, I had gone to a conference where it was mentioned, um, I think his name is Stanley Fisher. He's the vice chair of the Federal Reserve Board, I believe is his title. And his statement is that if you see more than 16% growth two years in a row, that prices are rising too fast. And so I was kind of checking out the numbers. We definitely had 2013 you were getting above 16% in so many of the counties and cities. But 2014, the second half, we slowed down a little bit. So it has backed off a little bit. And I think that's helpful because, I, I, you know, if it grows too quickly, we just end up with buyers who can't afford it anymore. And they, they back out, get nervous, and then, you know, prices start to come back down. When buying a home, I tend to advise people, buy close to jobs, buy close to a hospital, buy close to a university. If you could pull off all three of those, you're going to do well. Yeah. Um, I also say buy something that a woman would want because men, we could live in caves. Mm-hmm. We don't really care. Mm-hmm. But if it's got curb appeal, if it's got a good school district, my neighbor, he contributes to SCEF, the San Carlos Education Fund. He doesn't, yeah. have, he doesn't have kids. Oh, yeah. And I think he's the smartest guy on the block yeah. because it keeps his real estate value high. Yeah. And he votes for all the school measures and all that stuff, which is definitely, you know, that gives good upside to the real estate. On the downside, the thing that I don't like about George is he's got Prop 13. And it was his wife's family's house. So that property tax has got to be pretty cheap. Oh, yeah. So Yeah. Um, speaking of that, you know, the curb appeal. Is there any truth to buying the smallest house on the bus street? Or do you want to buy a bigger house because it's all based on square footage, the comps? What are your thoughts? I I agree with the you know buy the ugliest house on the best street. I just I've seen buyers do it both ways, and when you watch that market change, the people who bought for location they come out ahead, and the people who bought for just visually what it looked like they can get stuck when the market downturns. Do you know who Skip Williams is? I don't. He's a home inspector. And oh yeah, I think I, yeah. I may have the name slightly wrong. Yeah. Maybe Chip or something like that, but um. He did the home inspection. Okay. And uh, it was fantastic. Okay. It's like $300 and he takes pictures of stuff. He's like, your roof's going to last seven years. Your washer dryer's going to last two years. Um, I would pay for that every five years just as a man who I, I'm not very practical. Knowing that like that tree's going to fall on my house mm-hmm. or knowing that I have a sewage issue coming up, 
Yeah. Uh, home inspectors. Oh, yeah. I, it's a good idea to do it regularly as a homeowner. And we forget about it. Even, you know, real estate agents who are there practicing it all the time. Like, it's a good idea to get it. Like, with the heavy rain right now, yeah. get somebody under your house and check out what, how, much, how much water do you have under your house right now. And don't do it yourself unless you know what you're doing. <laughs> and you're not claustrophobic. I'm um, not a manly man. I don't know if you could figure that out. So I'm always asking my neighbor, and he does home inspections. I'm like, how long, when do I do termite inspections? Like, because you hear the commercials, and you like, oh, you, yeah. you panic. Like, I should be doing this no. because bugs are eating my house. No. They're, that's such a great commercial. I, I think they must be referring to, like, subterranean termites. Like, the wood, you know, wood termites, are, are they're... From my pest inspector, he says, they're slow-moving organisms. You can have them in your house for a while, and they're not going to do, you know, any immediate damage. Subterranean's a different story, and I think that's the fear that those commercials are feeding on. Okay. Anything else that you uh, want to bring to the table that people should be aware of when buying or selling, approaching real estate mentally? Uh, I just think get it, you've got to find a real estate agent that you trust. I mean, a, a real estate agent that will give you good advice um, – and that you trust it is worth so much. It's worth way more than any rebate you could get back from somebody who um, is just running that model. So what are you not looking for in a real estate agent? Um, I think you should trust your gut. And, okay. you know, again, to me, you meet eyeball to eyeball and have a conversation with them and see if you trust them. And if you have any hesitation or red flags going up, you should trust your gut and, and not work with that individual. I was looking for a place in San Francisco 12 years ago, and uh, my real estate agent bragged because she knew who I was from radio and television. She said, I got 80 credit cards. And I'm like, I don't want to work with you. Like right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, you want to see their you want to see their tax returns, things like that? Yeah, and it's, it's inappropriate that you could make such a rush judgment. But with that said, it is a pretty big transaction. So you represent buyer clients, seller clients. What are we seeing more? I guess we're seeing we have to have a lot more buyers and sellers right now. Yeah. Just mathematics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like sellers are just not moving. Okay. Your market, one of the markets you represent, San Carlos, Belmont area. Are you ever worried that like they have so underprepared for the school systems or for the population of kids? Oh, yeah. So the schools are out of whack. And yeah. One family may get Carlmont High School, which they want, but then they get zoned out of it because mm-hmm. of the volume of people. Yeah. It's tough to think about, huh? Uh, yeah. I, I think it... it the cities didn't see, I think, what was happening around here with the growth of um, the young family population. It's Val Vandervoort with Keller Williams, real estate agent extraordinaire. You can find her online, www.val, V-A-L-V-A-N-D-E-R-V-O-R-T.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.